today, Sally Lucas is joining us and we're going to talk about Japan as they open up. We'll also bring a little bit of Tasmania into the mix and the Red Centre may well be on the cards too. Sally Lucas and I, we are talking travel and think cherry blossom, think beautiful autumn colours. We're thinking Japan. Yes, it's been a long time, Jane, hasn't it? It's over two years, of course, and Japan is finally reopening its borders to welcome tourists uh, next week. Um, originally, they were only going to allow 10,000 arrivals a day, but they've increased that to 20,000. But they're splitting um, the amount of people coming in into three groups, depending on the state of the country they're coming from, as far as COVID is concerned. Um, so currently, citizens, residents, researchers, students, etc., um, can only come in with prior approval. And some of them may still need to quarantine, depending on where they're coming from. So even though it is opening up, you can only go in as part of a group tour, fully escorted. You cannot go in as an individual. No individual travellers are going to be allowed uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's still not completely open and the tourist authorities that over there are a little bit angry because they've seen how the rest of the world's opened up and tourism is exploding again, whereas they're a long way behind. Luckily for us, though, we are in Group Blue, which is for the lowest risk countries. And then they've got a yellow group and a red group, red being you know the highest risk, of course. Um, so it being in blue, we can go in vaccinated or unvaccinated. As part of a group. As part of a group. So no quarantine or on-arrival PCR test is required for people in that group. But as I said, you do need to be part of a guided group tour and be escorted around by tour guides. Package tours have to be sponsored by Japanese travel agencies and organisations that are responsible for bringing in tourists. Each group will have a limited number of tours, so the current number is still unknown as to how many is allowed in a group. Uh, as I said, it's important to note no individual travels will be allowed to enter. Um, now, there are airlines flying in there. Qantas hasn't started flying in there as yet. Um, Nippon, all Nippon Airways and JAL have, or Singapore Airlines, which obviously you've got to go by Singapore to, to get there. So that is really all we know at the moment. And, of course, that could change, as we've said before. Like everything else, we keep saying that, don't we, Jane? Yeah, minute to minute. Yeah, minute to minute. But, you know, they've, they've been doing things in preparation. They've been, you know, improving their tourist attractions, like Ghibli Park, which is famous for all sorts of films and animations in Japan. They're actually now... It's getting its own theme park as well attached to that. And it won't be open until about... Um, later this year, but that's happening as well. Uh, also, Mount Fuji, they've got a, a skywalk down near there now as well, where you can, you can go and view Mount Fuji. And also, you, they've got some glamping options as well, camping and glamping around um, the Mount Fuji area. And there's another uh, cultural museum being established also um, in in the back country of Japan, as they say. So these things are happening. Kyoto, again, they've actually been spending money on doing repairs on some of their beautiful golden temples and also which had been closed during lockdown they said but makeovers have been happening there as well so and as you said Jane yes we talked uh, cherry blossoms and autumn colours they're the two times of the year when it is I guess the prettiest or the most delightful time to go to Japan so that's for your cherry blossoms of course it's it's April roughly April I mean you never know how big a winter and when your spring's going to start so you've just got to watch it but it's usually around late March and then through into April and of course autumn is around the October time so and that's really gorgeous 
gorgeous seeing the autumn colours there as well. And that's slightly more predictable time-wise. Well, it is. Colours. It is. Like the blossoms, yes, they, they come and go quite quickly some years. But, yes, it, it would, you know, that one is a bit harder. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, so that's, it's still very beautiful when you see it. It is. And I think you know a lot of people are, are hankering to get back to Japan. Of course, our ski enthusiasts, you know, they love so. Japan because it's much closer then than to go to Europe or North America, of course. And, you know, they have good powder snow up there. So. Guaranteed. Virtually, well. yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they'll be keen for it to be well and truly open by the end of the next uh, ski season, at the end of the year. Such a destination for Australia. It is, very much so. We are talking travel, Sally Lucas and I, and it's always nice to talk about certain parts of Australia. In fact, most parts of Australia, because it's also <laughs> wonderful. Where are we off to now? I think we've all been reintroducing ourselves to Australia over the last couple of years, which has been absolutely wonderful, and I've talked to so many people who've mainly been overseas travellers that have had to obviously curb their wish to go overseas and have been blown away by some of the trips they have done even just in our own state. So we have a lot on offer here. We really do. Um, what I'm just going to talk about today, Jane, is with Tassie, as of October, the, the spirit of Tasmania will be saying goodbye to Station Pier in Port Melbourne. They've built a new state-of-the-art terminal in Geelong. Ah. So that sort of obviates you having to go through Melbourne if you're driving as well. And it was always not easy there. The queues to go on the vessel, there was only one queue for all the cars and then one for trucks. And So what they're doing is they've made it an absolute brand new state of the art, as I said, actual terminal that there'll also be boarding and disembarking, etc. They're going to have multi-level access ramps that allow like cars, caravans and heavy vehicles all to board and disembark at the same time, whereas before it was, you know, you had to wait, you queue and all this sort of thing. It's only 10 minutes from Geelong CBD. And of course, you know, if you wanted to, there's lots of things you can do around Geelong whilst you're there, of course, wineries, etc., and nice beaches and etc. Um, so there's plenty of ample parking space there as well now. Um, so you're not in that awful situation, which Port Melbourne was very awkward and awkward to park if you got there in advance of your boarding time there was very few parking availability or you had to pay for it you know so this will improve things really well um, and it's got more than 6,000 square meters of undercover parking for passengers as well um, spread over 12 hectares so yeah and they've also got like lovely cafe inside like nice, nice facilities now there's nothing like that before a comfortable lounge area a Wi-Fi, a pet zone, because a lot of people take their pets to Tassie, because mm. um, there's a lot of people coming and going, of course, that are Tasmanians, you know, so yes. often they're travelling with, with their pets. So the final sailing from Melbourne will depart on the 22nd of October, and the first sailing will arrive in Geelong the next day, on the morning of the 23rd of October. Whoa. So there we go. We're now going to get a wonderful, state-of-the-art, much better way of getting you and your vehicle to Tasmania, mm. which is great news. And there was an interesting article, Jane, not that long ago, one of the travel magazines out of the paper talking about Northern Territory and the Red Heart. And, of course, I think I might have mentioned to you when we went, the year we went, Jane, that was, gosh, how long ago now, four or five years ago in September, I called it the Green Heart. Of course, we'd been there after substantial rain and even though, of course, the rock is still red, the actual ground cover and everything was just oh, springing, full of spring flowers and greenery and it was just delightful. And, of course, we're coming into that time of the year now a lot of people prefer to go because it's not as hot. It is a lovely time to go. And, you know, don't just go and do Uluru. I guess that's what this article was saying. Like, make sure you don't just do Uluru. There's so much more, even though Uluru is fantastic. 
you know, with Kings Canyon, just that in itself is ma- magnificent. Stanley Can- uh, Chasm, the Western McDonnell Ranges, uh, Glen Helen, and all the little waterholes you can stop at along the way and have a swim if you so desire. And I think the funny thing is a lot of people, if they're driving in, the, you come to Mount Connor first, they go, oh, there's the rock. <laughs> and of course, they're fool. They often, the locals call it Fooleroo Rock <laughs> because they think it's Fooleroo. And no, you haven't got there yet. It's a, like a big mesa, isn't it? It's a flat top mountain, which which is connected to, to Uluru, actually, underground, because there was originally a full mountain chain when it was underwater. And, you know, of course, it's not anymore. But it's just such a delightful area. So do take your time. Um, you know, we only had... I think it was three nights at and Even Scott said, I wished I'd had more. Because by the time you immerse yourself in the culture there, which is just astounding, whether you want to do, you know, the whole walk around or cycle around the rock or do one of your Indigenous tours, by the time you go out to Katajuta or the Olgas, as it's called, if you want to do the Field of Lights display, if you want to do the Sounds of Silence dinner, an aerial flight over the rock, which is just stupendous over that. And actually the um, Katajuta, the height of some of those boulders are actually taller than Uluru. Mm which is quite an amazing thing, which you don't always realise until you actually do that aerial flight, whether it be yes. helicopter or fixed wing. So, yeah, look, do allow yourself time when you go there. And even Alice Springs, you know, you've got Flynn's Museum, you know, the Flying Doctor Service all started there. It's really fascinating to go through that as well. Lots of beautiful art galleries, you know, culture. So it, you don't just rush and think, oh, I'm just going to go to Uluru and tick it off my bucket list. Go and stay. lots. Lots and lots and lots. And, yeah, walks and all sorts of things you can do in and around that red centre. It is a delightful part of our country. To NURFM's Talking Travel, Sally Lucas, Hot Deals time. What is there in the travel marketplace at the moment? Okay, well, sticking with Australia first, Heritage um, Expeditions, who we have talked about before, Jane, doing those wonderful cruises down the sub-Antarctic of New Zealand. We've now got a new company going to do our Kimberley Coast. So they're coming over here to do the Kimberley Coast. And again, it's small ship, anything from 18 passengers up. And they're doing two exciting new itineraries along the Kimberley Coast. Um, And as an introduction, they're offering early bird savings of 20%. Now, these are on departures for July, August 2023. And you've got a book by the end of August this year or until sold out. So just keep that in mind because that is fantastic good small ship cruising with a great reduction so just keep that in mind Thailand of course has been opened up for a little while now to the public, they were one of the first ones probably to to open up to us all here in Australia and Club Med has all the Club Med resorts if you've never stayed at a Club Med resort it's all inclusive as, as a a cruise is, I suppose, a cruise on land, maybe you'd like to call it. All your meals, all your drinks, everything, everything you can do within the resort. You do something outside the resort, of course, that's, that's at your own expense. But they're introducing a special for Club Med in Phuket, and with a huge reduction on it, it was around about 1700 and now it's only just under 13 and uh, uh, under just over 1300 and that's for like a, a week's package which I think is fantastic uh, as I said all the inclusions are there so uh, you do still have to get a Thailand pass um, but your travel agent will steer you through that and all that sort of thing as well and then if you're wanting to go somewhere really different we were saying last week about festive season for your holidays this one is just promoting South America and other destinations for summer vacations. And don't forget, you've got the Rio Carnavales back. So for February next year, if you're interested, there's a lovely five-day package doing Rio Carnaval, and which is the 17th to the 22nd of February, but you can also incorporate that into a fuller 
South American itinerary. And lastly, but not leastly, close to home, New Caledonia, Lord Howe, the Cook Islands, etc., have all got some great family packages at the moment, which includes, like for a family of four or a family of six, even uh, at special prices, really good prices. These go through, some go through to only the 16th of June, the Cook Islands. The others um, are going through to middle to the end of July. But some great savings if you're going with you know, mum and dad and two kids or your grandkids or whatever. Obviously, there are still you know, packages for people and couples that we're not obviating getting rid of them, but this is just a good deal for families if they're wanting to get away. So that's... Our options are increasing. That's it for today. And that is tremendous. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>